What's up, everybody? Oh, it's a nice, mellow Tuesday over here. And um, sitting here, getting ready with you guys. Some music from an old friend of mine, Uberstein Fuzzman. You can check him on Instagram, Uberstein Fuzzman, a.k.a. The Salt Man from Cincinnati. Um, February is almost over. <clears throat> But I'm excited to be here with you guys. Uh, special kind of weird, uh, weird week. I just wanted to, I, before I get into this, uh, thanks everybody for listening. This is the Throughline Podcast. You get us everywhere you're getting us. Uh, iTunes, Apple Music, uh, Stitcher. Uh, big shout out to Laughable, uh, making us a recommendation to listen to this week. Laughable is a great site. If you're listening to more than one podcast or one podcast, whatever you want, head over to Laughable. They're a great, uh, great place to go to keep all your favorite podcasters and podcast guests in line. They can keep it in check for you. So if you have someone you love on a podcast, you can look them up on Laughable and they'll be like, oh, you can hear them here, 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 here. And they do a great job. And uh, they recommended us this week. So we appreciate it. Um, also a big shout out to uh, Huckberry. Go to Huckberry.com. Use code ThruLine to get 15% off your first purchase. Huckberry.com has got, they curate some of the best lifestyle and clothing brands that you've never heard of, basically. Um, I got great candles for them. Uh, Axe, lamps, uh, barware, kitchenware, pants, shoes, socks. I mean, everything you can think of. And there's something for everybody. They have a lot, mostly men's stuff, but they have a women's section as well. And again, so many uh, gender neutral stuff as far as for your home. And great blankets. I don't know. I don't know why, but I love blankets. I'm a total blanket guy. I like to buy blankets and then just keep. Like I want a blanket rack. You know, that's something like your grandmother would have, like a blanket rack somewhere in the corner of the living room. And you're like, what's this blanket rack for? And you're like, that's where I hang my blankets. And you're like, well, how often are we using blankets? And if you have to ask that question, you just don't get blankets. You just use them. You know what I mean? If someone says, hey, you, do you want a blanket? And you're like, nah, I'm good. You don't get it. Just take a blanket. Because you think you don't want it, but you can always be a little warmer. Then it's too warm, you use it as a pillow. Maybe it's something to rest on. Either way, go to Huckberry.com. Use code ThruLine at checkout. Uh, They have great stuff. Um, Tonight, I'm over at the Comedy Store. Jeremiah Watkins has a great show called Stand Up on the Spot, where we all just get up, audience shouts out ideas, and we make them funny. Great guests on it always. Eric Andre's always there. Rogan, Segura, there's always great guests. Um, And Jeremiah is a super funny guy, if you don't know him. So if you're in L.A., that's something to check out for sure. And uh, any other shows, if you're in L.A., I'm usually at the Comedy Store. Um throughout the week so speaking of which um we lost a very very special comedian last week in the comedy community and it seems to be that in comedy when we lose somebody because it's such a it's such a weird group of people comedians we're just it's like a weird club if you go anywhere and you see a comedian and you know you don't even know them you just go up to them like hey what's up man i'm a comic i work out la they're like oh what's up man and then you're just like you're there, you know, you're in because we, there's no one we can really relate to. Accountants don't know other accountants, you know what I mean? You're not going to be like an Iowa, like, hey, you're an accountant, I'm an accountant, can we hang? But if you're on the road in Wichita and there's someone else on the road, you can be like, yeah, what's up? I'm like, what are you doing? Like, nothing. And it's because we just all kind of understand each other. We come from a world that most people can't relate to. And is a very funny comedian. His name is Brody Stevens, or as he likes to be called, Stephen Brody Stevens. And he passed away last week um, from a suicide. He had been dealing with mental illness for a long time. It was well documented, not only just in the comedy world or entertainment business, but a lot of fans knew about it. He would talk about it on stage, and he did an entire show over at Comedy Central um, where he addressed it. And he was, for a long time, you know, he and Zach Galifianakis were buddies and Brody was in The Hangover. If you don't know Brody Stevens, Stephen Brody Stevens, go Google him right now to stop the, I'm going to talk a little more about him and I'm going to play a clip as well, but check him out. Just go check him out because he's an interesting dude and try to watch stuff that's not stand up related 
and him doing crowd work. And as, as so many of you guys know, Brody and I had a lot of things in common. We both played college baseball. And I, when um, I did the home run derby with my buddy Ryan Sickle last year, and Brody threw out the first pitch for us. And we both did, were crowd comics. I did a lot of crowd work. As you know, I did my crowd work tour last year. Brody almost exclusively would do crowd work. They At the comedy store, he had the Kinnison spot in the main room almost every night. And that was the last spot of the night. And that's where you need energy, which is what Brody always brought. And we both did crowd warm-up, which if you've ever been to a live taping of a late-night show or a talk show or a game show, there's usually a crowd, uh, a warm-up comic, and they go out and sometimes it's telling jokes, sometimes it's playing games, sometimes it's just keeping the energy up. It's a, it's a long day when you're shooting TV and you need someone that can bring the energy and bring the positivity, which is something Brody ironically always did was um find a way to bring positivity especially for a guy who was so depressed um and so it was it, it was a it was weird and normal to find out about it and i've never i've seen a lot of outpourings over comics passing before but <clears throat> seeing the outpouring from so many people across so many different groups. You know, about 10 years ago, alt comedy was the thing, and the clubs were suffering in L.A., and all these alt shows were crushing. And Brody was on all the alt shows. I mean, all his friends were alt comics, yet he was always at the comedy store. He was always at the improv, always at the Laugh Factory. Brody was everywhere because everybody loved Brody because he was just an interesting, sweet, caring guy, and... His comedy was different than anything. It was almost like art in a way. And I know comedy is art, but he would transform this this idea of like having material into like, nah, I, I'm the comedy. And he would find anything he wanted, whether you had your arms folded and he didn't like that, or you if you did the smallest little thing, he didn't like it, he'd find a way to connect to you. And uh, one of the greatest things, when I first started, I, I ran a show in Santa Monica because I needed stage time. So I started putting on a weekly show, and I would have a lot of comedy store guys down. And Brody was always one of the guys I would have down. And he would always he'd walk out into the audience and talk to them. And he had this crazy memory because he did so much travel as a stand-up and through sports and baseball. He still dialed in with a ton of sports teams in baseball, uh, so much so that the manager of the Cubs during his press conference the other day at spring training mentioned Brody and how it was such a great loss to the team because he would always go out to spring training and everybody loved him. One of my favorite clips Brody posted, he's like going through this hotel lobby in Japan and he's like, I don't know who he's chasing after. I can't remember, but he bumps into someone and the guy goes, excuse me, and he turns the camera and it's Mariano Rivera and he looks at the camera and just goes, oh, Brody, and starts laughing. And it's such a cool thing to think that this guy who was out doing stand-up every night was so dialed in with all these athletes and they all loved him and he would joke about it on stage that was part of his cadence would be bragging about i'm from Reseda high school the 818 he would brag about the valley <clears throat> and he did crowd warm-up for chelsea lately for years and eventually that came to an end whether he got fired or quit is yet to be known but i i was on a show with him the night he was going to tell everyone what happened and he he goes i was in san diego having dinner with joe tory a legend and had to leave to come home and just anyway very special guy um i i lost my train of thought but we had a Many things that we would talk about when we would see each other, mainly baseball. Um, but I always felt a connection to him because of doing the crowd warm-up as he did. I did it for a short time. I couldn't keep up the energy the way Brody could. But Brody did some very successful shows. And if you don't think there's a tie into why they were so successful with Brody, you're crazy. Because he would keep people's energy up and set a tone he would set a room so many guys when they do specials would ask brody to do warm-up because he would get people he'd morph your brain in a way that you would see the funny in things that you normally wouldn't see you know what i mean when he's bragging about bragging about how he was a model in pakistan um 
Oh, I was. I know. I was thinking when he was at World Cafe. That was my show in Santa Monica. He was going through the audience, and he goes, "Where'd you go to high school?" And he knew everyone's high school, even if you were like in St. Louis, he would know it. And the guy told him a high school, and he goes, "I know it very well. It, home of the Spartans used to be the Indians. They changed the name. It was a PC thing." And PC thing killed me and Ryan Sickler so hard for years. We would just keep saying PC thing and we would laugh over PC thing. And that was what was great about him. So I'm going to play a little clip now of some stand-up of Brody Stevens before we get to my interview today with uh, Tom Everett Scott. Give it a listen. And then later on, go out and go listen to some Brody Stevens. Put it on your Pandora or your Spotify or, or YouTube and just... Watch a little bit of him because there's every comedian that's met Brody, there's a little bit of Brody in them. So here's a clip from Brody Stevens. Give it a listen. I am an athlete. I am athletic. Arizona State, Pac-10, educated. Successful. Double parked right now. Not worried at all about tickets. I'll just start a new credit card <laughs> I'll do a balance transfer I'm very intense I get B.O. in the shower I shave with sweat against the grain Mach 11 I'm drenched in witch hazel Whole Foods can't contain me Trader Joe's wants my business. I take Propecia for depression. I take 20 milligrams of Lexapro for hair growth. I'm feeling good. I'm going to go into the Hollywood Hills tonight and celebrate. I'll cross picket lines. The writers are on strike. What are they going to do? Beat me with a pen? What do you do? Attack me with your final draft software? I played baseball, Division One. I'm wearing a jock strap right now. Youth, Triple X. It's a little snug. I purchased it at Play It Again Sports. Brody Stevens. Effing funny, friends for life. What does punk rock have to do with steroid abuse? How does a soap company save a suicide? Aussie Confidential, the newest podcast from Aussie, tells all. Host Eugene S. Robinson, journalist, actor, stuntman, frontman, creator of Sex with Eugene, True Stories, and Eugenius is now all up in your ear with interviews from the underground. Ungoogleable, untold, undiscovered until now. Part ranterific crosstalk from the edge, part no holds barred, delving into the dark stuff often left unsaid, complete with a soundtrack to die for. Aussie Confidential is a podcast for people, personalities, and weirdly wild notions about what we reveal and what we most want to conceal. Episodes might be 20 minutes, they might be two hours. You never know. On Aussie Confidential, the form fits the function. This is the podcast your mother warned you about. Only from Ozzy. Live curiously. And if you can't wait, listen a day early, only on Himalaya. R.I.P. Brody, 818 for life. Um, what a great guy. And just a, an idea to all of you out there. If there's someone you love, go out there and uh, call him today and let him know you hug him. Or let him know you love him and give him a hug and set some time aside to do something together. Because you just never know when they're not going to be there. But I'll tell you who is here, my guest this week, who is a, a good friend of mine. I love to death. Uh, he's been on my Crab Feast podcast uh, in the past. You can currently see him on his hit show on True TV, I'm Sorry, across from Andrew Savage. And you know him. If you know him, you know him from That Thing You Do because it was such an iconic movie and he was such an iconic dude in it. And he's a great dude and I love him. So please enjoy this interview today with Mr. Tom Everett Scott. Welcome, everybody. I'm sitting here with Mr. Tom Everett Scott. What's up, buddy? How are you, buddy? We just did a mic check. You think we sound alike? I do. Let's I see. think we do a little bit, too. Maybe throughout this podcast, people won't know which one of us is talking. I mean, I think you're just a much nicer and sweeter person than me, so I think they're going to, I think they'll know. But I don't know. Maybe we'll get that dark side out of you. Yeah. I mean, maybe we should. That means, do you have a mean streak? 
I don't think I have a mean streak, but you're if, a, but if I did, I would feel really bad about it. Yeah, you would. You're definitely like a <clears throat> take care of people guy. Right. You do not like seeing anything. Hold on one sec. <laughs> anyone in a negative spot or you don't I mean not that anyone really wishes bad things on people but you specifically are just like I uber guess, nice I guess uh, I was raised by a mom who really instilled that in me my dad was also a very nice person yeah mm-hmm. I mean you never saw like a mean side come out of your mom me, not, did you ever get disciplined yeah I was grounded a couple times for anything hardcore just like trying to um well i got grounded one time for like having a party in my house that my parents found out about when there was alcohol how old were you high school dude we my mom went away once when i was in high school and my brother was still in high school and we threw a party and i didn't even drink Oh no! This was college, actually, and then we we were doing keg stands in the kitchen, and like <laughs> my brother like freaked out on me the next day. He's like, "We gotta clean this house up." I'm like, "We're gonna get it done, bro." And he goes, "Dude, there's footprints on the ceiling, <laughs> and they were mine." And it was like the greatest thing. I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's right, man." That must have felt good. Those samba classics, baby. <laughs> they were up there. Love those samba classics. I didn't rock those till college. We had them all the time in high school because we played soccer. Like all, yeah. like a lot of my friends. I had two groups of friends. I had the guys I played soccer with, the dudes I played baseball with, and then like my regular group of friends. And some, actually, none of them really. Well, one of them played baseball with us, but most of them were like the guys on the soccer team. But we all like, I always wore. I got into gazelles, bro. Gazelles. Remember gazelles? Like those, like gr- I wore green gazelles. I do remember the gazelles. And would you wear those with khakis? Would you, would, <sighs> I got to be straight up with you. I love khakis still. Would you- would you peg the cuffs? Yes, 100%. Okay. All right. And I was born in 70. Huh? A little older than you. How old yeah. are you? Um, I was born in 76. I'm 43. Okay. Just same, turned. Same as Jace. Okay. Oh. February yeah, 3rd, right. bro. I, w- I was at your birthday party mm-hmm. at the beach. Um, mm-hmm. I went back to uh, that place for the lobster roll with Finn. Oh, really? Son. Yeah. It's not bad. I mean, it was delicious. Oh, good. You love it. You got to get back there. Yeah, I mean, I'll go back again and again. Because my, like, my go-to lobster roll in L.A. is Cousins' main lobster trucks. Oh, that's, that's they're the a, best. Th- yeah, they're the Hands best. Hands down. Yep. And they have a brick and mortar in Hollywood. but They do? You know, yeah. Is it as good as the trucks? 100%, yeah. Cousins. Cousins of Maine, yeah. All right, I'm going to have to take Finn there because we're kind of we're lobster roll guys. Yeah, well, I mean, that lobster roll's great down there, but they put the mustard seed in there, and they do a little things, and I'm like, you know, we're traditionalists, you know? I don't like the mustard seeds, right. I do, however, like their crumbled potato chip addition to the lobster roll. Oh, is that what was in there? Yeah. I mean, put it this way. I had three of them that night. You know what I mean? (laughs) I had three. It's not like I'm ever going to turn down a lobster roll. And it was your birthday. Did you, uh, wait a minute, how close was your hometown to the water? 20 minutes so we you could drive straight to duxbury beach from my town east bridgewater yeah and be there in 20 minutes and did you guys go a lot when you were kids yes we went a lot and we would go all year round yeah not in the water obviously no but it was to this day winter beach is one of my favorite yeah one indie films winter beach no, I just made it up, but didn't that be like this summer winter beach? <laughs> but like we love to go. This guy meets this girl at winter beach. It all goes bad <laughs> in the winter. Uh, yeah, we love to go walk the beach in the winter time. Where would you go? What was your beach? We didn't have one, dude. So like we would go. We were lake people. We would go to New Hampshire yeah. in the summer for a week, Same. Lake Winnipesaukee. Okay, that we, was would, our we wouldn't go to the, that big... I've, I don't even think I've ever been to Lake Winnipesaukee, but we would go Bro. to a place called... I know. We would go to a campground called Terrace Pines, which was in um, Center Ossipee, New Hampshire. Yeah, I know Ossipee. It was like in the... Yeah, and it was great. Yeah, there was some... Lakes. Did you have a cabin? No, we would bring our tent trailer. My family had a... A little pop-up? Pop tent trailer. <laughs> Craftsman. Yeah. Uh totally that was how we vacationed how many I, people were staying in there five of you me six of us me my three sisters my mom and dad sometimes the dog one time we brought the cat up to new hampshire oh my god that was insane the cat got loose 
We didn't see him for three days. We thought he was dead. He came back. What was the cat's name? Happy. Happy! People happy. like, man, these people are out of their minds on drugs. They're just yelling happy over that other site. My dad hated that we got to name the dog and cat Happy and Honey because he was the one who would have to call them in at yeah. night. That's unbelievable. I love that the cat would just it was like, I'm out. That's the best thing about cats, dude. They're just like, dude, I don't give a shit about you. Yeah, they're like the cool kid. They yeah. just run away. Fuck you. Yeah, they don't care about you. Yeah. Dogs like, oh, you love me tonight? You're like, shut up. Get out of here. I want to be a rock star. And they leave. Yeah, they're done. Three days, dude. Just on its own. <laughs> Thought for sure some wild animal killed him. Probably living with another family. <laughs> smoking butts. It's just three sites over. That's it, dude. <laughs> Looking over you guys like, hmm, yeah, maybe a couple of days I'll go over. Oh, some more. Eh. I think I'm good. We got, they're, they're cooking on a skillet over here. <laughs> How did you get six people in one of those little pop-ups, dude? Because this kid who grew up next to my grandmother, uh, Craig Hansen, Craig and Eric Hansen lived next door, and their dad had a pop-up camper and it was always in the driveway. And sometimes when they get back from trips or stuff, and I'd be at my nana's, like we go to my nana's, and then you could cut through the backyard into their yard. Uh-huh. And they were way older would than me. Would they pop up the trailer in the backyard and you do sleepovers in it? No, we would do that. They were older. They were kind of like, oh, oh okay. here come here come Jay and Adam again. You know what I mean? Like Craig was. We didn't really kick it with Eric, but Craig was like really cool about when I was a freshman in high school. Craig was a senior. Okay. And I played varsity soccer like three games my freshman year. And one was the last game of the season against Craig, who was oh. who was a senior, and they were nasty, and we got whooped like nine zip. But uh, I got to play against them. Different schools. Yeah, he was. My grandmother lived the town over, and our rival, our rival was Redding, Mass, baby. Redding and Stone. Who was your rival? East Bridgewater's rival in soccer was like um, Situate or Cohasset. Really, not West Bridgewater. No, they were in even smaller school. They were in a sm- we thought I thought we were the smallest town in Massachusetts. West yeah. Bridgewater was even smaller. Keep that. What, there, yeah. West Bridgewater was even smaller. Um, so no, we didn't play them. So your rival, you didn't have a rival, like your your high school it, in it, general. It would depend on the sport, but uh, usually our rivals were. Uh, it could be like Whitman Hanson, which yeah. was a regional school, but they were in our size, and then. Uh, or division, and then um, situate or Cohasset for soccer. See, we were Redding all day in everything. Just everything. Okay. It was like Red Sox, Yankees, Stoneham, Redding. <laughs> like one of my buddies moved to Redding. I'm like, are you fucking serious, bro? <laughs> Trader. You're going to move the Redding guy? <laughs> uh, we would, so the pop-up trailer would, two wings would come up and out. Yeah, I my know. My mom and dad would take one side, and then like, you know, two of us get to be up on that bed on the other side but those the tables on the yeah. other side on the inside would, would pop would go down and become a bed and it was uh it was tight quarters but i mean would everyone go to bed at the same time well the kids would go to bed and then my parents would stay out and listen to i remember this and i love this feeling yeah they would listen to a classical radio station classical music radio station mm-hmm. on the old transistor radio that my dad would hang from the tarp amazing antenna out Making uh, they make little rum and cokes is what they would drink and sit in their little chairs by the fire Amazing. and we would listen to them to li- listen to the music and we'd have to be quiet because you have to be quiet in campsites. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, I mean, I've been playing classical all the time now at home. Oh, like, really? I, uh, for the kids on and the, for us, on, I just on have on the, the radio or yeah or on the radio. What's your go-to classical music? It's station? just what if you just fish down the end of the dial from like anywhere from like ninety to ninety-three, wherever you, whatever city you live in, that's where the classical channel is. <laughs> I mean, in Boston, it was one hundred two point five BOS. That's my mom's station, but I think out here it's like I'll either put on K Jazz. But like the other day, I, I got because I have an old tuner. It, like I picked up the classical station, and I'm like, oh, so I just left that, and it always sounds a little crackly and a little. But That's I love great. that, you know. I heard that on uh, when you interviewed uh, Mark Marin for this podcast. Oh you, yeah, you talked about your mom's love of classical music, and it reminded me of growing up. My mom and dad didn't have a music collection; they would just listen to that, you know, to the local station yeah. for classical. But my dad's other music that he listened to would either be. Uh, awful stuff it's like bagpipes mar- drum shut drum and, up drum and bugle core what uh, he's or, listening to like halftime shows or like oh it was awful <laughs> or he would listen to war movie soundtracks but not good ones none that i could really like say that, like the battle of medway you know he'd listen to that and i'm like 
So. <laughs> that is unbelievable. What did he do for work? He was a civil engineer for the state of Mass. What does that mean? So he would design highways and bridges. Dope. Yeah. He went to Northeastern at first. Husky. Failed out. Went to work with my with, with his father doing construction. Hated it. Put himself through night school at Lowell University. Got his degree in engineering. At, at UMass? At U Lowell? Yeah. Shut up. How old's your dad? He's dead, but he was 63 when he died in 2007. So that's 12 years ago, 63. He would have been 75. Yeah. And when did he, and how many, do you know how old he was when he graduated? So he. Because you know my mom and dad both went to U Lowell. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, no way. In um, the music program. Okay, so I was born in 70. He, they had, my sister, my my oldest sister was born in 66. And he probably graduated right around the time that she was born. I mean, you know what's crazy is yeah. I when my dad passed, I went through a bunch of his stuff and I got his graduation book from U Lowell. Really? And it has like all the graduating class. I should check it out and see if there's 60, your, your pops is in there. 65, 66, I think is probably when he graduated. That's such a trip. Dude, I pitched against U U Lowell, but as UMass Lowell when I was in college, we played them, you know? Wait, where did and you went to St. Anselm. Okay. So I wasn't like Back in like my junior, I pitched a lot in my freshman year. You know, I never would. I would start a couple games, but I would like re- do more like relief work. And we weren't that great, but like junior and senior year, if we were getting bombed, like and we needed arms, I would come in and pitch. And so we were getting checked because UMass Lowell was nasty, still are. And like the Red Sox single A team has their field yep. there, and that's where they play. Yep. So they're like. We're getting bombed, and they're like, yeah, we're going to need you to come in and pitch. I'm like, all right. And I was, like, excited. Nice. And I come in, and I'm like, I remember the first dude was a big righty, and I'm like, I'm pitching this dude low and away. And uh-huh. I put this perfect fastball low and away, and this guy just goes, <laughs> opposite field. <laughs> oh and I'm God. like, Jesus Christ. Uh-oh. Next guy gets up lefty. I'm like, low and away. <laughs> Boom. He hits, not a homer, but like hits like to the gap uh-huh. in, in left. And I was like, <clears throat> and I got bombed. And Who I was were like, these this guys? UMass Lowell, man. They were like they a good. plate coverage. Yeah, well, they were just nasty. And I remember. Remember the last game I ever played in college was against AIC. Remember American International College? Mm-mm, no. They call it almost in college. <laughs> when we were playing there, like I remember freshman year, we would play them every year. They were in our like division, but the first year we went to play them, we like get we're getting off the bus, and this little kid, maybe twelve, is walking around going, "What's up, AIC? What's up, AIC? Let's go now. What's up, AIC? And I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and they 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 killed us. Wow. And uh, my senior year, we were playing them, and the first at bat I had, I struck out on three pitches to this dude throwing, like, an 86-mile-an-hour slider. Like, that. I was just like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. And I was so done playing baseball. I've been playing it for 17 years straight all the time. And I was just like, I got up the second time. And that same kid is just throwing cheese sliders that are like breaking, like as they get to me. And I just struck out again. I went to my coach. I'm like, I'm done, dude. I am done. Done with baseball. Yeah. I played one year of Little League. <laughs> Minors, majors. I mean, everyone has these different leagues, but how old were you? Uh, I was probably in fourth or <laughs> fifth grade. Oh, man. You got in late. Yeah. Maybe younger. I yeah. don't really remember. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, Reed's already did T-ball last year, and he's going to be five, and now we're starting five pitch where you have to, like, hit out of the air. Wow. And he's just not ready. He's not ready. And I almost want to be like, you just want to take it off and we'll wait and, like, just play together and fucking try next? Like, he's- Maybe. I don't know. Because this is one thing that, that somebody said that was interesting to me. Finn played, my son played yeah. uh, one year of T-ball and then one year of Little League. Yeah. He didn't like it, and we loved it. We were having a great time. Yeah, but what do you mean? Were you like undefeated as a parent? Mm-hmm. You were starting chants in the in the stands and stuff. We were known throughout the league as being the <laughs> best. No, uh, no, we just like sitting in the stands, and getting some you know food from the snack bar, and yeah, like sitting fun. there and watching the kids play and cheering on. We just love it. It's good, clean fun. And then you know, Finn's up there. He's like hates it, and he was the most improved player on his team. He started out 
you know, with hardly any skills. And by the end of the thing, throw, catch, hit. Not great. Not yeah. the best on his team. He's still the smallest kid on his team for sure, other than Rodney Pete's son. Shut up. Rodney Pete's son. And he could hit. You mean Amanda Pete's son? No. Uh, what's Ro- what's Rodney Pete's wife? Didn't he marry? Uh, he married. Uh, no, he married. Yeah, he married uh, um, uh, Holly from uh, Twenty One Jump Street. Um, Holly Robinson Pete. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were they were there with their kids and they were watching him. I mean, and their kid was you know good athlete. Uh, they're you know they have athletes in their family. We have none. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but somebody said you know. I was like, oh, so I want him to be, you know, playing a team sport. So much to learn from it. And somebody said, it's, but it's not a team sport. It's an individual. You're at bat alone. You're in the field alone. There's really no is. team. You got. You don't learn like soccer. You have to learn the triangles, playing in a triangle, yeah. passing, That's moving. A sport. That's a team sport. Baseball, you know? not so much. Baseball <clears throat> is what? It, it really isn't. I, I never even thought of it like Me that. Me neither. It's a team sport in as much as you have to be unselfish uh, and like root for your team and try and sacrifice your own at bat sometimes to move a guy over for in a run. That way, no but one's that's doing not, that at that level. No, not and at all. And there's not a lot of double plays happening at that level. It's there's, like the no. ball comes to you and you either catch it or you don't. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Reed's highlight from T ball last year was he hit the ball and it went to where like a pitcher would be, but not that far. And Reed ran, grabbed it, and threw it to first. Nice. And threw himself out. He was hitting. I love that you're like, great, that's awesome. No, he was hitting. I got it. Okay. And it was it was actually like the sweetest thing. And like this is the thing. I'm a hardcore sports fan. (coughs) I know every sport in and out. And I played forever. And I don't care if he wants to play. I mean, I like going and stuff, but like in the backyard, it's like I know how much work we need to put in. Like right now, like he doesn't even want to put a glove on. And he's also like no muscles on his body. He is just like skin and bones. So I'm just kind of like, well, you know, we'll do it. And he loves doing it anyway. You know, same with hockey. Like we go to ice skating and he loves it. I heard he's playing some hockey. Yeah. That's awesome. He loves it. But I mean, he's terrible. He can't even like he's he can't even walk, you know, did like he out there. learn. How did he learn how to skate? He doesn't. He's learning. That's what he's learning. Do we they call push it hockey. around the cone. Do they do that? No. They literally teach you marching and stuff like that. Oh. So, like, you're, oh, like, right. he's learning marching. It's so funny because we grew up on a, you know, like, at the end of our street, there was a pond that would freeze over, and we would just put on some skates and go down. Yeah. You know, my dad would hold a hockey stick, and I'd hold the same hockey stick, and he would just kind of skate backwards, and I'd hold on. Yeah. That's how you learn. <laughs> well, he can skate. Like, I mean, I could just go down and rent skates and go to free skate and take him out there and, like, you know, get to it. But I'm not – one thing I didn't learn is skating. You know what I mean? Like, I can skate, but I could never, like, snow. Could you ever snow? Uh, Well, like, the stop? Like yeah, the, when you that, stop. And go, uh, not, no. I mean, I'm not very, you know, no. There were kids who were, in a, you know, there were kids from my high school who went, who, they didn't go to my high school. Sorry. Kids I grew up with who, when it came to going to high school, went to other high schools that had better hockey. And they we didn't pro. have a hockey team at all. Yeah. They oh, went, really? We didn't have one. Oh, wow. And we didn't have the money for it, whatever. If you were a hockey player, you would go to um, Cardinal Spellman or um, BC High or, you know, some one of those places that had a good totally. hockey team. Yeah. And then two kids that I grew up with played, like, NHL. You know their names? Uh, Timmy Quill and Matt. Fucking Timmy Quill. Timmy Quill and Matt. Uh, began with a G. Can't remember. Timmy, Timmy G- Quill put Getchel? me in a good uh, life insurance policy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, and I might be—I don't even know if I—if that's accurate. I think they definitely went on to play at least minor league. If not, I think Timmy played. Well, NHL. I have a good buddy who played in the minors for years, and I said uh, I had made the mistake of saying, "Well, like I'm like, I'm like we were talking about like he came to a show in like a random city I was in because he was playing in a random city, and I was like, you know, he's like, how's it going? I'm like, it's good, you know. I'm like, you know, it's like you're just moving up the ranks, you know. He's like, you're trying all the time. He's like, trust me, dude, I know it. I go, yeah, I know. I'm like, you know, you're you're there, you're playing semi pro, and he goes, I'm playing pro. <laughs> he goes, it's professional hockey, Jay. It's just not. NHL and I was like, yeah, you're right. You, it is. Sure, it really is. And to get to that level, God, I, which is amazing when you when you think about the, the caliber of player at the top level. Yeah, um, I was playing a baseball player in a film and had to actually you know have some at bats. And this is back in 2013, so this is like only five years ago. What so movie? It's a movie called uh, Love Finds You in Sugar Creek. Am I saying that right? Shit. I don't remember if that's... Yeah, I think that's the title. 
Anyway, I like uh, that. Yeah, uh, it was uh, it's this little movie that we shot in Amish country in Ohio, mm-hmm. and long story short, so I gotta like hit hit a ball. I gotta yeah. hit one out. Uh-huh. <laughs> I gotta catch one at the wall, and I gotta hit one out. And I'm playing against like college baseball players. Yeah. And the kid that they got to pitch to me was good. So when the camera's on me and I'm hitting it out, I've got one of the, like the guys on the crew who could was a good athlete and he could pitch me perfect. It was like having my guy take me, you know, yeah, p- like taking do, my guy to the home run derby. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So he's pitching him perfect and I am I'm hitting him out, hitting all the walls. It was great. Nice. It was, yeah, it was good. It was good. It felt good. And when they turn the camera around or do the wide of me in that at bat, incorporating the pitcher, this kid. Was he just throwing gas at you? So it goes. Shut up. So it's like a Casey at bat, like where it goes across the plate. And I say, nope, across the plate, strike two. I'm like, nope, I'm showing off. Yeah. And third that's one. That's in the scene. That's how they wrote in the it. Scene, yeah. And on the third one, I knock it out. So we shoot it. He sends it over the plate twice, and I'm supposed to hit the third one. And I'm ready, and I'm gearing up, and I'm thinking he's going to groove it to me. And he just throws me the nastiest, just slider. And up. I swing, and I come out of my shoes. I look like a fool. And he, I saw the look on his face after he blew it by me. And I was like, you wanted to make me swing? You wanted yeah. to strike me out? Yeah. Of course you did. That's unbelievable. Because who cares? Because what do you care, kid? Yeah. You want to look good. Yeah. But did he eventually groove you one? No, they were like, that's all right. We got in the other angle. And I was like, give me another crack at this This kid. kid. I was never going to hit it off that guy. No, man. Never. That's hilarious. But I mean, mean, that's one thing about your job is you have to constantly adapt and become different things. Have you had to... What else? What's the weirdest? That was frightening though. To I, I was afraid to, that I, you know, to look like have to look like a baseball player. Tell me about it. Because there was nothing in the budget where they were like, okay, we're going to do two weeks of uh, you know hitting, you know, no. Yeah, it's like which the, you did for that thing you do. Right. That's like two months of. I mean, that's probably we had to the learn how to most, play drums. That's the most prep. Yeah. The most uh, time that went into learning a, a different thing. Had you ever played drums before that? No. I mean, I grew up in East Bridgewater in band. What were you playing? Pick trumpet. Yeah. Fourth grade, I picked trumpet. My brother played trumpet, too. And my dad. It was it was a toss-up between drums and trumpet. Yeah. Trumpet's great. Yeah. When they came it's beautiful. To, yeah. When they came to the classrooms to show the kids, like, all the instruments and play them, and, you know, you can pick one and be in the band, the guy who played the trumpet as a, you know, did a little demo, he played the Star Wars theme. And it was the biggest movie in the world back then. <laughs> yeah, bro. It still is. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, like maybe and you 15, were sold. 15 kids signed up for trumpet. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, so funny. We had like the lamest band of all time. My brother played trumpet and then he quit after freshman year. And like the claim to fame in our family for a while was that Adam hit a high C in sixth grade. Yes. In sixth grade, Adam hit a high C. <laughs> and like my dad was a trumpet player, so there's probably some like I love that angst where my brother was like, oh, "I'm gonna fucking hit a high C." You know who knows? Sure, a little competition. Yeah, because he wasn't around all that. So but, wait, you're uh, younger than Adam, right? Yeah. So then, when it came time for you to pick an instrument, I have a horrible memory, so I don't remember why I picked drums. I all I can remember right now is having a remo pad, you know, like yep. one of those little drum Practice pads pad. and yep. sticks in fifth grade. Okay, that's all I remember. And none of my friends played instruments. None of them. Now, did you stick with drums in the band all the way through? Yes, all the way through high school. Because you played bass drum. Right? Yes, because I never band. really had like I never put any energy or effort into like getting better at drums like i just took it as like you know i learned my rudiments and i learned how to play but like i never wanted to be in a band and sit in a pocket and you know i never wanted to be on a kit i just kind of was like well i just do band you know because my mom was a musician i didn't want to let her down is kind of how i looked at it you so know? when it came to marching band you didn't play snare you didn't play the toms they were like play i played toms drum. oh you did play yeah toms. yeah okay. and i love the toms but it got to a point where like my learning was stunted at like probably eighth grade like i did band in sixth seventh and eighth grade as well but then like when it came to high school i just hopped on the toms and and i was like it was only two people in the percussion section me and right. one other dude because we okay. had a shitty band uh-huh. <laughs> if we had a legit band i maybe would have taken it more serious like those guys that are like 
in like Ohio State's marching band or Syracuse's marching band or Stanford's, like they're unbelievable. Sure. I loved it. My two older sisters did marching band. It was just where it was, you know, headed for me. I was already like in concert band and stuff. And I did all four years of high school. I was in marching band. It was, uh, it was fun. A lot of my friends were in band, and we would travel and compete in marching band competitions around. How England. did you guys do? We were very good. We won probably three out of the four years that I was in high school. Damn. How many kids were in that band? Do you remember? Uh, it was. We were a small school. Um, there were maybe like 50 kids in the band. Yeah. I mean, no less. No, no. No, that's about right. Over four years. Of, yeah. I mean, we were a small school. I mean, I don't know what's small, but we had like 800, and, 800 kids or so in our school. Okay, we had less, but and our band had twenty one kids. Okay, we were pathetic. Uh, okay, <laughs> I would say like our like so we would have like anywhere between like three or four snare drummers. Oh, yeah. So you guys one were dialed. guy on the toms, and then yeah. maybe like two or three bass drums. Yeah, and then like a guy do playing xylophone in the yeah. Pit. So you had a legit band. We had a legit band. I was around those guys. I learned our street beat on yeah. drums, so I could hold sticks. I could. Sp- Twirl sticks. I could play a little bit of a something, but I could never. I could. I didn't know how to sit at a kit. I couldn't play. Yeah. Kick drum with my foot or or hi hat. So I didn't know any of that. But I but I like drumming. So when it came to getting the part, I had a little bit of like, you know, it wasn't completely foreign to me. And I could read music. And yeah. my drum teacher for for the movie wrote all my parts out on on uh, sheet music. Yeah. So I could read it and practice it. Yeah. That's killer. It was killer. It was a big uh, advantage for me. Yeah. I mean, God, that's something cool about like, you hear about that stuff with actors getting jobs and like, oh yeah, I went and learned how to do this for two months or like, went to diving school. Yeah, like, you know, yeah, you have a scuba dive? So impre- no, I don't think I would like it. I don't I'm, think I'd like it either. I, I can't go underwater without. Uh, I mean, I I love swimming. Yeah, but I don't think I would want to be down there, like, where I could just. One wrong move and I'm dead. I don't think I like that. I'm all set. I just don't. I'm just like, nah. I'm good. What? I don't need to be down there. Exactly. I'm all set. You ever fall through the pond when you were ice skating on it? No, you? I did. You did? Yeah. That's once. terrifying. Yeah, it was. And I'm freak. I was freaking out and like I kept pushing on the ice. Uh huh. But it would, you know, it's like the edge of the ice, so it would break every uh-huh. time I push off. And my friends came running over and they go, "Dude, put your feet down." Was it shallow enough to stand? Yeah, bro. <laughs> it was all weeds and it was still like crazy. And then like they came over and like reached a stick out and they pulled me pulled out. out. And now I'm just like, you know, we were like two miles from home. Yeah. At least two and a half miles from my house. Wet. Soaked. Cold. Ah, terrible. So like I took all my clothes off except like my underwear and a t-shirt, you know, and you're warm at that point because now like all that's off. And then we walked to like a 7-Eleven and I had money because I had a job and we would just like, I remember like sitting there to warm up and we would like get like a, a hot dog and microwave it and then eat that and then like wait in a little while and do something else. I had like $43 on me. <laughs> wow, that's a lot of money. I was loaded, dude. <laughs> you were. You were flush. Um, I don't know. I don't know where my fear of the deep ocean comes from other than when I watch a movie in a movie theater, if there's like an underwater scene, yeah, my palms get sweaty. I don't know why. I just don't like the idea of being deep down under the ocean. Damn. And I don't even think I would enjoy being out on a boat in the ocean with just nothing but unknown beneath me. I think that kind of scares the shit out of me. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's funny is like I never thought that, but now that you just say that, like if you when you see movies when they're like I've always had a I always wanted to have a sailboat, oh. you know what I mean, and like I took sailing lessons out in Marina del Rey, and then like one oh. day we were out there and it was so choppy and I was just like, I don't fucking like this. Yeah, what am I doing? I tried it once. My friend had a sunfish sailboat. We went out on a lake, and it, it was so impossible for me to yeah. figure out. I don't think I ever went back. See, that's where I got started was the Sunfish at Boy Scout camp, and I fucking loved you it. You loved it. And this chick, Hester, who was Swedish, would like- Hester? Hester. And she was like our, our teacher. And she was like 17, and I was like 10 or 11, but she would like flirt a lot. She was like Swedish. And I remember just being like, oh my God, Hester. You wanted to take Hester out on the Sunfish and have a romantic uh date. I mean, I want to take Hester forever. You know forever. what I mean? Marry her and live with her forever. 
But, you know, you can't always have that. You can't always get that. Um, so we were talking a little bit before we sat down. Yes. And I said, you've pretty much, your whole professional career has been as an actor. Mm-hmm. But if you could or had to, not 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 had to, if you could, <coughs> are there any other jobs you think back and you're like, yeah, I think I could have really done a good job at that or could have made a life doing another career? I think I'm very lucky that... I can do this one thing because I think I'm you're very lucky too. Not very good at anything else. Yeah. I mean uh I got decent grades in school. Yeah. All right, so uh you know, that's nice. I don't I'm not dumb. You think you could have been like a CPA? <sighs> that would have been horrible. No. I don't think no. I think I would have probably just stayed at home and not gone to work i couldn't do math i hate math the last math class i ever took was junior of high school what do you mean you didn't take math senior i guess you don't no, have to at didn't that have point to, so i wouldn't i hate i i can't stand math i can i'm not stupid i can do a little bit of math but i don't like it yeah um people like that with math you either love it or you hate it there's no in between I, I love math i like I'm glad I'm in the creative uh, industry because I think I just was always daydreaming and, be, you know. Yeah. What could I do? Like a Joe job? Like a job that's not like being Whoa. an actor or a painter? Whoa, or a- Tom. What's a Joe job? That's some like backwoods 1950s. What's a Joe job? I guess. I hey, always- Joe! My brother worked with a creative director. <laughs> this guy like he's super famous and like he, i don't i think he's just uh, he's a creative director and like does a lot of commercials and stuff and he's like crazy talented he's a photographer yeah he's a photographer and he lives in venice and he's got this like old warehouse that he like carved out and now all the rooms inside face this courtyard so all the rooms only have like three walls some rooms have more but like it. it's been written up in magazines anyway we were like in venice one day and that guy was on a bike about to cross the street and I like got up next to him and I like I raced him across the street and the guy beat me and like he was like super sweet and my brother like we get across the street and my brother goes did you know who that is and I'm like no he's like that's you know I'm like how the fuck Adam no one knows who that is you do <laughs> and I guess like when he's on set he just calls everyone Joe <laughs> he doesn't learn anyone's names he's just like you're Joe everyone's Joe okay but what's a Joe job okay uh besides working with that guy right is it like a blue collar? Um, I like, love, that was such a detailed little story, and it was just to get, give us a little taste of uh, yelling Joe, uh, of where you got that from. All right. Uh, what is a Joe job? A Joe do you job have a definition a job for that it? you do when you're not doing your dream job. A Joe job is... You mean like most wait, of the world? Waiting... No, I don't, it's, I'm not trying not to sound like an asshole you're or not, derogatory, but, but like... If you want to be an actor, but you got to wait tables to make money while you're that's trying your to be Joe an actor, job. that's your Joe job. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, don't forget, and I think like that's why I think it's interesting. I think I appreciate that you say that you're lucky to have the job you have because we, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that have like a dream job that just either didn't have the courage inside to go for it, didn't have the opportunity. Life got in the way. I mean, life gets in the way a lot. Yeah. You know? And like we said, you and I, you were three years into the game and you got a huge break. Right. Whereas some people, that break doesn't come three years into the game, you know? It no, but I think that like... Comes uh, 20. And and I, uh, grass is always greener on the other side, but I kind of sometimes wish that my break had come later when I was a little bit more mature. I feel like I got a lot of opportunity thrown at me at a very young age yeah. and I didn't really necessarily know what to do with it. But uh, For sure. It, it's all good. I mean, I, I'm still, you know... Uh, just as optimistic as ever, and I love my job. You know, uh, e- even if I don't um, become uh, an Academy Award-winning actor, I'm still going to be happy doing this job. It's probably what saved me was uh, during a time when I was like getting depressed and feeling like you know the roles weren't as good as they should be, or I wasn't being as successful as I should be, and I was down on myself. I just had this moment where i was working on this audition and i worked on it really hard and i got it to a point just by myself in a hotel room and i got to a point where i was like you know what i don't even care if i get this job i just love i just love what i'm doing right now i love what i I just love this i there's no not even a fucking other person in this room and i love what i'm doing so i'm i'm doing the right thing i mean first of all whether it's a joe job or whether or not you're uh i mean there's some people 
put it this way i could i could make a list of other jobs i would love to have in this world okay fireman i guarantee you if i was a fireman i'd love the shit out of it okay but like you know i made a decision i came this way i'm not saying it's an easy job i'm just saying like i love i used to love painting houses i painted houses for so long and i just love that like my body would have to work i would i could turn my brain off like there's something about like as a fireman you can turn your brain off and you're just reacting you know what i mean you're reacting. I mean, I think right. there's. You think this guy's out there listening? Like he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I'm just like picturing the fireman who's just like, just don't think about it. Just don't, don't think. Larson just fucking walked in. Would you get him out of there? <laughs> Where's he going? He's not thinking. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's uh, never thinking. Uh, I think through acting, like. Playing people who have other jobs, yeah. like and so getting to learn how to like be like learning about paramedics and that kind of thing, I realized that the people who actually are paramedics are the salt of the earth. Yeah. They are incredible people. You know, they have. You talking like EMTs? EMTs. Just how do they get not get paid more money? I don't know because it's the hardest job, and I'm so glad someone does it because I could never do it's that. It's crazy. Job. It's so hard, and you're you're saving, it's like mobile doctors, people's lives. Yes. Anyway, uh, is I would, is I, the EMT a step job? It is, right? Like, are, do you start out as an EMT to become no. like a nurse? Or you? That's it. No. That's a full time. Yeah. I mean, I know it's full time anyway, but like, um, there might be people who are paramedics who hope to someday be doctors, but no, I think that like your no. I, I think that's a full-time job. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. Right. That's a crazy. I feel like that should be like you should be getting you high. Be getting a lot of money. Yes. Yeah. I You're agree. The Same first. with firemen. And a lot of paramedics are firemen. Yes. Right. Yeah, for sure. Because I think you have to be well, certified each, to some extent as a fireman. I, yep, you do. And then a lot of firehouses will have a paramedic. Yeah. Who's part of the fire department, and then you have private, you know, ambulance companies who are EMTs. Yeah. But uh, if I had a to choose, I would think I would also enjoy working with my hands, paint, you know, painting, uh, carpentry. You know, you and I both have dabbled in a little bit of ca- yeah. carpentry you know, around the house. Yeah. Um, you way more than I have. I love your passion for for working with wood. I, think I mean, it's if so I great. could do that every day, <laughs> if I could do that every day, but like. I'm just not good enough at it that I could ever make a living at it. I mean, maybe if I learned and like took some classes and stuff like that. Like, I always had this like weird idea of art that you didn't take classes to learn how to be artistic. You know what I mean? Like, oh no, you don't take guitar lessons. You're just good at the guitar. <laughs> you don't. You don't take stand up class. Like, especially stand up. Like, there there are stand up classes. I bet stand up classes are pretty awful. Yeah. I would guess too. Yeah. But at the same time, like I've heard, I think it was Nate Bargatze said, like he took a stand-up class and it was like the first chance for him to like find a place where he could like try and figure it out and gave him a place where he could do stand-up. So I I, I always looked at it, like looked down on it until I heard Nate talk about it. I'm like, oh yeah, that's a really good point. I don't think I would have been a successful actor if I hadn't, hadn't taken acting in college. Of where course. I learned. I don't use probably... 80 to 90 percent of the stuff that they teach you yeah but it was something that gave me a toolbox yeah exactly and that's such an art that's such a really was get into your toolbox and reach into your toolbox guys let's just take a moment let's get some equipment out (laughs) well how did you get into drawing I started out just uh, drawing as a kid all the time, and there was a Sunday morning or Saturday morning show, Captain Bob, drawing with Captain Bob. Yeah, I watched it every Saturday with my brother. Yeah, and, and he would paint with that dude. Loved it. Oh, you? Yeah, I mean, your brother became yeah, you know, designer. So crazy that that guy influenced so many people. Yeah, I really wanted to draw, and I got to school, and I would draw, and people would say, "You're, you know, oh man, you're good. You can draw. You know, you huh. start getting it back." And start you start realizing it. You know what's funny is now, like now that I have kids, and you know your kids are grown up now or growing up. But there's this one girl in Reed's class, and like you see her stuff, and you're like, "Whoa, <laughs> yeah, you're unbelievable!" Like compared to like my, I'm like, "You're the best." And you like, I ask her parent, I'm like, "Are you guys gonna put her somewhere? Like this is unbelievable." You see what she's doing? Right. She made a horse. Yeah. She's four. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I really wanted to draw, and then I remember like. 
as I got older, there were other kids who could also draw, who could clearly draw better than I could. Yeah. I, and I and it would hurt my confidence. And it, I will say, then like high school comes around, and I got to choose between music class or art class. They didn't offer them both yet. They were at the same period, and I always took music class, and I never took art in high school. Uh, I wish I had, you know. Of course, because then you may have like. I read this great article uh, yesterday that my friend posted about this guy who's an athletic director at a high school and a football coach, and his kid is big, uh-huh. like tall and big, and he was always the best kid on the team, right. every single team, scored the most points, biggest kid. The, kid, the dad would say, like, how come you didn't pass the ball more? And he's like, well, because the coach kept telling me that I should be shooting. I'm the best kid in the team. Wow. And then he got to, I think, like – eighth grade and he wasn't the best anymore he didn't even start he sat on the bench and it was this whole like idea of like what happens when you're not going to be a starter anymore you know like you're gonna you eventually go into a pool of people that's bigger you know it's like that small fish big pond kind of thing right and in like the whole thing was about like being a teammate and that's okay and how the kid just the kid after he said the best thing happened was after that game, he's like, you know, you don't want to say to him, like, are you upset that you didn't start? You know, he's like, I, so I asked him, like, hey, how was uh, today? And he's like, good. And he's like, yeah, did you feel good about it? He's like, yeah. And then he said, my son said, basically it got down, like he like ducked around it without asking him directly. And the son goes, you know what, dad, we won. And that's all that matters to me is like that we win and we all played together. And it was like really cool. Um, but. There that's is something hard to deal with. Though. That's something that's part I'm of life sure. is it making yeah. those adjustments, right? Yeah. And as a parent, and you see your kid go through it, you're like, oh man, how do I navigate my son through this? And you also have your own personal feelings about wanting something, wanting to be the best. Obviously, you're not. Someone was better. You know, how do you adjust? How yeah. do you how do you um, you know move on? And we've seen it in, or I'm sure you've seen it. I know I've seen it, like. When I started stand-up, there were guys that were terrible, and there were guys that were amazing. And you've seen those guys that were terrible stick to it and work and work and work and work and work, and now they're bigger, better, and more successful than the guy that was better than them. You know, it's like there's no – there's never an end to, like, how much work you can put in, and there's never, like, a cap on hard work. You know, there's no cap on hard work. No, and it and it doesn't just matter – it doesn't matter what you're trying to do. There's always room for improvement, and, and there's always a, a benefit to good work ethic. Yeah. When you're doing comedy, would you say what, – what are some of those things that uh, you've got to do to grind to get better? I think you just need to get on stage as much as possible okay. and write. Like, I see guys. Gary Goldman's been doing this really cool thing where he keeps putting up writing tips for stand-ups like every day on Instagram, really? and, and it's like really insightful. And I'm like, wow, it's really cool. One, it's cool that he's doing it, and two, it's it's you know it, he's got a smart take, and you know Gary's a really smart guy. Cool. And you're like, yeah, you have got to put a lot of work in to get to be as good as you can be at stand-up you know it's like you gotta keep keep going yeah you gotta just keep going and going for me i keep looking at stand-up and i'm like i don't know if i know how to get better than what i can do now or i don't know if i am like what it takes to get better if i have that in me you know what i mean whether it's want or need or desire or or anything you know what i mean like i love being on stage and then you see guys that are like murdering and you're seeing what they're doing you're like whoa you know and you're like how do you how does that go down all the time you know yeah uh i feel the same way i feel like sometimes i get stuck and i'm like what am I, but what am I doing to get better? I'm not, I don't take acting classes. I'm not working right now. When am I acting outside of doing, you know, the professional getting paid for it acting? I'm yeah. not. And, uh, I read, uh, Jeff Tweedy from Wilco had a, has a memoir that came out. Yeah. He's and, been all over the place lately. Yeah. And, uh, his book in one of the inspiring parts of his book to me was when he wrote about being inspired, which was, he's like, I'm not, I try to write music every day. But every once in a while, I'll get in a rut or I'll just be like, Ugh, you know, like there's nothing in me today to write. Still try to write is the is the key. Yeah. Or he says he's always going and seeing other bands and seeing other stuff. 
and he likes to be inspired. You know, he like he'll go and only takes. He's like, and every time I do that, it only takes a little while before I'm like, all right, I gotta get. You know, that guy's right. great. And that guy's great. I'm gonna go in the studio. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like I'm doing that right now. Like I'm not working right now. I'm getting antsy. So what am I doing? I'm like watching a lot of movies. I'm like watching stuff that you know, just like I'm being. I'm trying, you know, <laughs> trying to like spark some inspiration. And you know, it, it it'll only be a matter of time before I get right back into something. Like, yeah, of again. course. I feel like all this. Anytime I'm watching something with Kate, I'll just like, we'll be watching it, and I'll pause. I'm like, you see that line? You hear what he just said? Think about that. I love like mm-hmm. dissecting and in his for because for me, writing is like it's good uh, for your brain. Yeah, I love seeing that stuff. I think that's the best. So I guess you don't even have a chance to. You're gonna just have to keep being an actor because there's nothing else you're gonna you could do. So you don't think you say, could run like a B and B or something like that? So let's say we, you know, that we had to. Just they were like, okay, there's no more acting anymore. Yeah, we're done. And Tom, you can't do this anymore. And where would I go? And what would I do? And I, I think, yeah, I mean, I would do something like that. I could run an Airbnb. <laughs> I don't want to do no, that. No, Tom, what are you so, why are you crying? I mean, I look at that. How you just turn it on like that. First of all, you're running. I, I put you in a in a B and B, and now you're running an Airbnb. I'm talking about a bed and breakfast. Oh, I'm talking about like all called Airbnbs. No, Airbnb is a website oh, oh. where you're renting out your house. Oh, sorry, you know what just happened? Uh, I forgot that the that the original is a B and B. Yeah, the, the world existed before the internet is Holy what you forgot. Um, oh, that was. Did you ever have you? Did you when we were kids? Like when my brother was looking at Syracuse, or when we go up for like parents' weekend and stuff to Syracuse. Yeah, we stayed in a B and B. We Never. didn't stay in a hotel. Never stayed in a B and B. I did, and we would. This was this was the. We stayed in the OG Airbnbs. We stayed in like a lady's house. Another time we stayed in this house, and like there were other people staying there. And my mom was like, "Isn't this lovely?" And we're like, "No, ma." This is so weird. Why are we in this person's house? When my sister graduated Smith, we all stayed in B&Bs. That's when my parents got the tent trailer, Jay. You know what I mean? You show up to the fucking parents' weekend and you pop it right outside. Tommy Bill, we'll be right outside the dorm. <laughs> and they're playing fucking Dvorak. Drinking their rum and Cokes. What kind of rum was it, by the way? Uh, Do you know? Yeah, it was like a, um, a bottle that had like... Was it Myers rum? Myers. Myers, Myers yeah. Dark, yeah. You know the biggest producer of rum in the world at one point was Massachusetts? Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yeah. That's amazing. What what brand was it? I don't know, but or they all brands and they, they just molasses, dude. You can make no, rum from molasses. Really? So this is back in like I think like the seventeen hundreds or eighteen hundreds. And they were doing mola- this you're gonna think I'm lying, but I'm gonna tell you this I don't. for real. I believe so. You. They would get all the molasses from like New Hampshire, Maine, Massachusetts, all that stuff until the great molasses explosion of like 1780, something like that. And they in the North End, that's where like this like rum distillery was. And they had like giant vats of rum and one exploded (laughs) and like 11 people died. Like it went down the streets like a like a tidal wave, like 14 feet high. People drowned. Or awful. I when you said the molasses explosion, I thought you meant like it became a big thing and they started producing <laughs> yeah, no, it everywhere. No, you meant an actual explosion. explosion, and people died, and then it kind of like I don't know, it, it, something happened after that. But like there was like they say that for like I think to this day, on hot days, people say like in the North End you can still smell molasses. Okay. I mean, Jesus Christ! I think I could do tour bus tours. You <laughs> know what you I mean? Should. You know that wouldn't be a bad Joe job. <laughs> I could do that. I could yeah. be a tour bus guy. I was a tour guide in New York. No. That that was one of my first jobs when I moved to New York City. My friend Jay Sirocco from Syracuse University. Jay Sirocco. Jay, Jay Sirocco, also from Massachusetts. He said, uh, I got this gig. We can all do it. It was like me and my other friends from school. And we were tour guides for high school groups who were coming to the city to compete in a... It was high school music competition. Mm-hmm. Like band, chorus, that kind of thing. I know the deal. We would grab those groups from wherever, uh, the Midwest or wherever, and show them the Statue of Liberty, Empire State Building, whatever. I got a bus and stuff? No buses. I had to take them around town, walking or subway. Wow. I had to make sure that like 100 kids in their chaperones all got onto a subway train together yeah. without losing anybody. <laughs> it was 
That was That's intense. a lot. Yeah. And I met Judy Greer, the actress, Judy Greer, when yeah. she was in high school way back then. How'd you remember? <clears throat> I didn't. It was later at an audition and she and I were sitting in the waiting room and she said, we've met before. And I'm like, we have? And she's like, I was in a high school group and you were uh, my tour guide in New York City. I was like, oh my God. God, that's so random. No, and you know what? We we hung out with you and I'm like, were you part of that group that wanted to go to lunch with me because you guys didn't want to hang with your, you didn't want to do the touristy thing. You want to know what I was doing on my lunch break. And it was like her and her friends. And I took them to Sheep's Meadow. We all got sandwiches from a deli, mm -hmm. hung out. Where's Sheep's Meadow? In Central Park. Okay. And uh, and then after that, the school wanted my address so they could send me like a little like thank you thing. And then she got my address and sent me a letter. Why am I telling the world this? This is such a private little thing that I should not be like spreading. Should we stop? Should cut that out? It's at the 51st she minute. She invited me. Her, she asked me to go to her prom with her. And I was like, I have a, I can't, I'm going to be busy that weekend. I didn't go. So when we were at this audition, she's like, you were very sweet. You know, I was like, oh my God, you, how do I not remember this? I'm such an asshole. How am I like, why would you be an asshole? I mean, I guess that's a pretty, I mean, I've never been like asked to a prom like that. It's pretty amazing, but you know, you're an a not an asshole for not remembering. I'm like, now it's all coming back to me, right? Yeah. As she's saying it, I'm like, oh my God. So wait, now what did I'm she say to you that. at the audition? And I'm like, I'm like, wait, you asked me to your, oh my God, please tell me I like at least responded. And she was like, you did. And you were very sweet. It was very cool. And whatever. And I was like, okay, thank God. I'm so glad you don't like hate me. I can't rem like, I feel horrible. That I didn't remember any of this. Yeah. Judy Greer. It's amazing. You guys should work together. We have. We bet we were that. Then we worked on, I'm sorry together. She, she's in the first season. Of did I'm you guys sorry. talk about it again? Oh yeah. Then it was like, yeah. Like, oh, this, this is the guy who turned me down. Yeah. I just think there's a, I think there's a movie here. It's called Prom Date, <laughs> and this is what it is. I, I'm seeing it. I'm gonna work on it. Well, Tom Everett Scott, buddy, thanks for coming in. We don't have to just do this for your podcast. We can always get together and chat. You know. Yeah, I know. We should do it we more do often. I mean, we do it all the time. All right, buddy. Good to see you. All right. That was Tom Everett Scott. You guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, had a blast with him. And excited to get some uh, some new guests that I have coming up on the podcast. So please keep listening, share with your friends, share it on social media, let people know about the through line, and I'll talk to you guys next week.